How many just sense the presence of the Lord in this house today? I do. Wow. Just an amazing presence of the Lord. How many are appreciative of our worship team? Don't you thank God for our worship team? These guys show up every Tuesday night after, after prayer time. We have our corporate prayer on Tuesday night from 6.30 to 7.30. And then they just put in the time. They put in the time to get prepared and to get ready. And then they just come up here on Sunday morning and they explode. Hallelujah. I thank God for a dedicated group of people that are hungry for the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And just kind of while I'm on that, I just want to say I thank God for all of those that serve behind the scenes. You know, we got people that are serving in the nursery, the children's church, the usher teams, the, the, the media team. You know, so many people make so much happen on an every every week basis. I mean, we have multiple services here a week. And so many people are making things happen behind the scenes. And, you know, the church wouldn't be as powerful as it is without what goes on behind the scenes. You know, even right now, our children's churches, our children are being taught the word of the Lord. People in our nursery that are dedicated to the things of God and just loving on our babies. So I, just, I don't know about you, but I just, in worship, I just had this sense of overwhelming feeling how grateful I am for people who dedicate their life to make the ministry what it is. Can we just give all of our folks that just serve so faithfully? It really is. It, you know, what, we, what I do up here is, is really peanuts compared to what goes on behind the scenes. That's where the real labor takes place. That's where, that's where the real work of the ministry is happening because they're facilitating the anointing of God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Come on, stand to your feet and grab your Bibles this morning. I saw my daughter grab my water up here and took the first couple of sips out of it. I need to have her tested before I drink it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I think in your bulletin you had some, some confession scriptures in your bulletin. Did you see that this morning? Pastor Porter had worked on those and put some scriptures in there. Were they in there today? I'm not sure. Yeah, they were in there today. Just some things that you can take home. Just we're, we're building a culture of faith here, and we just give you an, a ways to, to rehearse the Word of God. Amen. So you can just use those as, as you need to. Go with me in your Bibles, if you would, please, to 1 Thessalonians. And then I want to jump over back into our theme verse. But I wanted to, to relate a couple things here just because of the language in this particular passage of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians. It's a good day to be alive. It's a good day to be in God's presence. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 2. And it says, And we give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith. Somebody shout, my work of faith. My work of faith and labor of love and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, knowing, brethren beloved by God, his, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power 
and in the Holy Spirit and in full of conviction. Aren't you glad that the gospel has some power? Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and into Achaia. For the word of the Lord was sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. I just want to draw your attention back to verse number 8 again. Notice that the word of the Lord went from them. It sounded forth from them, not only in, in the Glades region, but also in every place. In every place, their faith went forward. Their faith moved to something. You see that? Their faith was moving. Their faith was on a journey. It was going forth. Their faith was moving. So, so, so Paul is talking to the church at Thessalonica that, that, that you got this effort about you. You got this labor of love. You have these works of faith. And, and now your faith has been made known to all the people in Macedonia, to all the people in Achaia, which talks about regions. And then it went even further beyond that because they became known for their faith. Look at... Look at somebody next to you and tell them, God needs your faith to be made known. Come on, just tell them, God needs your faith. All right? Okay, just, just working out a few things here, and we'll pull it together. Go back now to Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. This is where we've just kind of been held up for the last couple of weeks. Matthew 14, verse number 22. And it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. While he went to the crowds, while he sent the crowds away, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on water, and he came towards Jesus. I'm just going to stop it right there. I just want to say that. Peter asked the Lord, he said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And the Bible says, and Peter got out of the boat and he began to walk on the water. We've been talking over the last several weeks about the culture of faith. And we're going to talk a little bit more today about it, how to build the culture of faith. But just look at somebody next to you and tell them, walking on the water ain't normal. Just tell them, just walking on the water ain't normal. 
it's not normal. It's not normal. And I believe what God wants to do in this house and what God wants to do in your life, it's not going to be normal. God wants to take us places that are not normal. Come on, push on about three people and tell them it's a faith thing now. It's a faith thing. It's a faith thing. It's a faith thing. That's what it is. So, Father, this morning we thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you today, Lord, for what you're going to do in the next few moments as we come together over the Word of God. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher and the teacher, the communicator, the revelator. Holy Spirit, you are the one that reveals truth. Lord, open up the eyes of our understanding today. Let us see what you see. Let us hear what you say. Lord, we thank you today for what you're going to do in the midst of your people. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in advance for it now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen and amen and amen. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. It's interesting to me that, that whenever uh, you begin to look at the word culture or you begin to study about the framework of culture, you begin to find out that if you begin to break it down and you go back to the genesis of that word, you begin to find out that cultures are primarily built by a value system. It's a value system that eventually ends up reflecting behavior. When a value system has been learned, and when a value system has been learned and sustained, it begins to create a repeated behavior, which ultimately or eventually becomes known as a culture. We find this to be true in every fabric of society. How many know that every fabric of society has a value system? Every fabric of society has a certain way of the way they think about a thing, the way they process something, the way they think something through. That's a value system, something that they cling to, something that they hold on to, something that they believe in. And we find this in every fabric of society. How many know that families have a value system? Yeah? Families have a value system that if it stays sustained long enough, that family creates its own culture. Ethnic groups have a value system. Organizations carry a value system. Governments carry a particular value system. Cities, regions, towns and territories, nations carry a certain value system. And that value system, if it's sustained and repeated long enough, it eventually becomes known as a culture. Are you tracking with me so far? And these cultures are established by the way they believe. It's a value system that gets sustained by, watch this now, prevailing thought patterns. It gets sustained by prevailing mindsets, mindsets that eventually shape the way certain people believe the way they believe. Are y'all still tracking with me? It's a little quiet in here right now. This will be on the screen for you. Once behavior is sustained and lived out long enough, it becomes predictable. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. It becomes predictable. Even when there's a negative pattern in a person's life, 
then their life eventually live, is lived out in cycles rather than levels, and you can see it. And you can even see it coming because it's a behavior, it's a value system that has eventually became predictable. You, you can see it in children until something breaks in that child or something is reversed in that child. If they have a negative pattern, if it doesn't get reversed, eventually that becomes a cycle in their life. And that behavior becomes predictable. People who stay in trouble have a predictable behavior. People that stay out of trouble have a predictable behavior. Huh? That's why in order for your life to be successful in my life, by the design of God, the word of God cannot be optional. I'm going somewhere, so just keep track with me. The word of God in your life cannot be optional. This will be on the screen for you. If your mind is never exposed to a different value system, you will keep repeating certain behaviors that become your culture. So the word of God gives you something different to gauge your life by. And if your mind is not exposed to something different, everything you have learned in your previous experiences will continue to shape your future. And that could be good or bad, but whatever you have experienced in your past, if it's negative, it will stay in your present and it will move into your future. That's why the word of God in a believer's life cannot be optional. A good song service cannot fulfill the word of God in your life. Watching YouTube channels cannot fulfill the word of God in your life. Hearing somebody else just preach the word cannot fulfill the word of God in your life. It has to become a personal witness to you that changes the way you think about a thing so that your behavior becomes predictable and you create a God kind of culture. So we understand these things because if your mind is never renewed, and that's what Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 talks about, uh, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If your mind is not renewed, if your mind never gets exposed to a different level of living, you will always stay tied to a former experience. Amen. I'm about to preach in a minute if y'all just jump in here with me. If your mind never changes, if your mind never gets exposed to something that is eternal, something that is life-changing, you'll make decisions based on previous experiences. You'll make decisions based on your family upbringing. You'll make decisions based on, based on your ethnicity. You'll make decisions based on the culture that you grew up in. That's why as a believer, if you don't get the word of God drilled down inside your head so it begins to transform the way you think, then your heart will always dictate the movements of your life. That's why every believer has to have a relationship with the word of God. It can't just be a church Sunday morning kind of thing. There's got to be this pouring into the word of God to eventually change the processing of the way you think about a thing because the way you think is the way you live. Amen. Amen. Lily B. Yeoman, who was a, uh, she, was the, uh, she was the daughter of a Civil, civil War uh, uh, medic, and uh, who, she became a medical doctor herself and then moved from there and became a, uh, a healing evangelist. 
She said this. She said, God delights in his children stepping out over the aching void with nothing under their feet but the word of God. God is looking for some people that will have a relationship with his word that whenever his word begins to speak to them, they're not intimidated by what's around them. They're not, they're, they're, they don't feel less than anything, and they begin to step out over the aching void with nothing but a word from God. So what separates the church world from, uh, from, the, from, from the natural world is your belief system. Amen. If your belief system, watch me now, I'm just, just making sure we, we're pulling all this together. This is five weeks of it. If your belief system, if your value systems are the same as that of the world, then your ability to influence and inherit can be forfeited. It has to be different. It has to be distinct. People ought to know you are a Christian. Not by what you say, but by how you live. People need to know that you love Jesus Christ and that you are a born-again believer, not because you say you go to church, not because you raise your hand in the song service, not because you put a scripture on Facebook, but because my lifestyle demonstrates the integrity of God's word working out in my life. I don't just say I'm a believer. I am a believer. And my lifestyle begins to dictate my culture. Okay, so, 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 so that means if we're going to be salt and light, if we're going to be a city set on a hill, then we have to build a faith culture that can believe God for anything. We have to believe a faith culture that gives evidence that his kingdom lives on the inside of us. That means we have to decide, everybody in this room has to decide what are you going to start growing in your garden. Because every seed produces after its own kind. Certain environments, certain climates, and certain uh, uh, atmospheres produce certain kinds of fruit. And the way I'm using it, certain climates, certain atmospheres, certain environments produces a certain kind of people. So if we're going to be a faith-filled people, then we got to create a culture of faith that begins to exercise what we believe to the point that it begins to get demonstrated not only in our own home, but in the world in which we exist and function in. That's what Paul was saying to the church at Thessalonica. There's something about you that's different than any place I've ever been and seen. There's something that's going on inside of you that's making a difference to the point that people who were serving idols are turning from their idols and they're serving the living and true God. There's something about your witness. There's something about your culture. There's something about the attitude of your faith that causes everybody to want to serve the God that you serve. Push on somebody and tell them it's a faith thing now. It's a faith thing. We're going to get there. That's why we have to be intentional about the culture we want because it determines the type of people we want to reproduce. We have to be intentional. That's why for here, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to take a, a seat back on it. I, I think in here we, we should have such a faith-filled environment that you can come in here with whatever is on your mind. You can come in here with whatever is plaguing your life. You can come in here with whatever issue you got going on. 
But the moment you step through the doors of this house, there's such a faith-filled culture that's moving in the atmosphere. And when the worship team begins to play the first note, there's such an explosion of praise, an explosion of worship, because you didn't come in here to be entertained. You came in here to make a deposit into the climate of the atmosphere to say no matter who comes up in here, our God is able to deliver them. No matter what is going on in your life, it don't matter if you got a broken life, a broken marriage, messed up kids, if you got if you've been diagnosed with a disease, we believe there's enough power in our faith, there's enough ability in our praise, there's enough stamina in our worship that the presence of God begins to fill a house, it begins to move inside of a building, and you don't even have to have an altar call to be touched. You don't even have to have an altar call to be healed. Because the faith culture is dynamic. It's, it's moving. It's alive. I don't know about you, but I've traveled enough and been to enough places that I, I don't, I don't want to hang out with dead churches and dead folk. I want to be in a place where it's happening. <laughs> I want to be in a place where it's bumping, you know, like I used to do in the club where it's bumping, you know. I want to, I want to be in a place where, 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 where you just feel God. I mean, where you just like, I mean, and it's not because it's just God in the atmosphere. It's because you get next to somebody and there's God all over them because they're, they're, they're releasing something inside of them. They're not thinking about the bad week they had. Pastor Tina just decided it's like chicken on crack. You got all these little things moving around and just trying to zap your joy. But there's something about a spirit-filled believer that can get beyond the distractions. They can get beyond the heaviness of the day. And they walk up in here and they say, hey, I just got an opportunity to bring my faith to another level and when I hook up with your faith and your faith hooks up with their faith we create a culture of faith that's not sporadic but it is sustained it's an atmosphere it's a climate that produces a certain way of thinking it produces the way we think about a thing it produces the way we see a thing it produces it I, I, I don't want to be, I don't, you know, you might have to tell somebody on your road, listen, you can't sit here next week. You're going to have to find another road. We're going we're to praise God up in here. <laughs> just, uh, just at least look at him and say, you're going to have to scoot over, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, so the evidence that the kingdom is operating in you, this is the evidence. When the evidence that the kingdom is alive on the inside of you, it's when you're not influenced by the world. It's when the world's influence, and it's out there, it's there, it can derail you if you pay attention to it. It can pull you off track if you begin to give eyes to it, give ears to it. But the evidence of the kingdom of God, and Jesus looked at all those guys traveling out with him one day. He said, listen, the kingdom ain't over there. It ain't over there. The kingdom of God is within you. He said, he said, don't go over there. Don't go. Listen, you, you carry, you carry the courts of God on the inside of you. You carry the ruling presence of the supreme monarch of the universe on the inside of you. You carry the same Holy Spirit that was living in Jesus when he walked on this planet. The same spirit that raised him from the dead. It's the same spirit that will quicken your mortal body. You carry the same Holy Ghost. You don't carry some junior entity. You carry the alive power and the presence of an almighty God. So you don't walk around like you're about to get your last breath. You walk up in here like, I believe God. 
God can do anything. You get on your job Monday morning, you hold your head up high, you throw your shoulders back, and you walk into a setting and you say, I have come up in here to release the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Come on, push on somebody and tell them it's a culture, it's a culture. It's a culture, 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 it's a sustained way of thinking. It's the evidence of my thoughts, because what you think about the most is what you live out. Amen. So this ain't hee-haw. Bloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I have no luck at all. I'm just dating myself, but that's hee-haw, baby. That's what that is. <laughs> so in our text, we read where the church in Thessalonica had become this model, this, this model church to everyone in that region. Everybody in that region knew that the church of Thessalonica was a place that was happening. Come on, I ain't making this up. That's in your Bible. We just read it. Everybody in the region was taking notice of the church at Thessalonica. How come or why? Because their faith in God could not be denied or even questioned even though they were going through persecution. They didn't change what they believe about God based on the circumstances they were going through. Their mindset about God was not changed based on the persecution they were getting from the world. They just kept living out their faith to the point that it became sustainable. And then once it became sustainable, it became predictable. Don't you want that to be said of you? You don't want to be one of them up and down kind of Christians. You're just like on a roller coaster ride. You want to be somebody that's stable, sure, old King James language, just steadfast. You just want to be steadfast, moving. You want to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. It's the kind of people that this church in Thessalonica was, their ability to believe God through Everything they were going through impacted the region to the point, this is in the language of the Bible that we read, that they had became known everywhere. I can't speak for Tulsa, Africa, Zimbabwe, all those places. I can't speak for places of the world, but I can speak for the Glades region. I, I, I don't have no jurisdiction. I don't have no authority in those places. But I got some authority right here in the Glades region. And the reason why we got some authority here in the Glades region is because God has planted us in the Glades region. And I just believe that God can raise up a church in the Glades region. That his power, his faith, his movement, his Holy Spirit can be made known everywhere. Because there's a people in the Glades region who just believe that all things are possible. Their culture of faith was so strong that Paul describes it by saying people were turning to God from their idols and they began to serve. That's an interesting word. 
They began to serve the living and true God. In other words, they, didn't, they weren't there for a handout. They were serving God. That means they were activated in the life of the family of God. They were planted and plugged in to the life of God's church. They were serving God as a witness to everybody around them. And the church became known everywhere. Now, that's not an a, a, a ego, 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 how you say, egotistical uh, ego trip. Yeah, that's it. It's, 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 it's not a statement like that because they were saying, we love God so much that we believe it to the fabric of our being. To the point that we don't just show up on Sunday to let God out. We show up every day of the week and we serve him on the job. We serve him during the persecution time. We serve him during the pandemic. We serve him during COVID-19. I serve him when I get laid off. I serve him when I don't have no income. I'm serving even though my marriage is falling apart. I'm going to serve God even though my children have lost their ever-living mind. But I'm going to serve God in the midst of everything that's going on. Because I'm committed to the God that I serve. And this became contagious. People were beginning like, wow. I mean, like, let's just put it in our day. People say, y'all hear about what's going on at New Harvest Church? I mean, we have heard so much negative stuff over the years. I'm like, yeah, everything you heard is probably not true. But I want people to hear some stuff that, whoo, did you hear about so-and-so that got healed? Did you hear so-and-so marriage got put back together? Yeah. Hallelujah. Did you hear so-and-so had cancer and they got delivered? Yeah. The exploits of God. Their culture and their faith was so strong that people began to walk away from idols. Interesting enough, in this particular passage of Scripture, just going to hurry to get to my point. Paul doesn't tell us anything about their structure. He doesn't tell us anything about their manual. He doesn't tell us, tell us anything on how to reproduce this, this model, this method, their systems, or their programs. But he does give us an insight about this one king factor, the essence of the church. And he said it in verse number three. He said, we remember your work of faith. So that's what we remember about them. That word work is the word ergon which literally means your labor, your action, your deed, or your employment. It speaks about a person who completes something. In other words, you've taken the seed of God, the, the, the reborn of, of God's spirit coming into your life, and now you're producing it everywhere you go. It's like you're working, you're, you're, you're working the territory. You, you got something alive on the inside of you, and you're not just keeping it for yourself. You're taking this, this seed, this, this gospel that has the ability to change the way you think about a thing. And now you're beginning to exploit it. Now you're beginning to push it into the people on your jobs. It, it becomes, it be, because it becomes a lifestyle and not an event. They, they had a working faith that became visible. If your faith is not visible, then what good is it? Because Jesus just, just didn't die for you. He died for everybody. 
that's going to mess with you a little bit. Oh, I thought he, yeah, he, you're included in everybody. But if you make it all about you, you're off track. Their faith in God became evident to the community. Everybody in the region understood. That church down there, whoo, you walk up in there and your hair is going to stand up. <laughs> you walk up in there, you're going to get goosebumps. And it's not because it's cold. One of the most important ingredients that a church possesses in order to influence or impact cities and regions is their work of faith. You have to work your faith. The church in Thessalonica had a culture of faith that was making a difference. Watch this now. They had reached a level where their faith was invested and a culture of predictability was created. I just had these, these, these I, don't, I don't call it a wish. I just call it, I think it's born of the spirit, but it's just kind of out there. I had these, these dreams, like, like when the doctors can't help you, the church can. When the doctors have given their final report, the church has another report. When all the therapy sessions and the counseling, and nothing wrong with any of those things, we, 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 we support every bit of that. But I'm just saying, when you get to the place where every level that you have exhausted yourself in cannot help you, there is a God that can walk up into the middle of your dilemma and turn it on your behalf. They had invested or employed their faith, and the region was taking notice. Now, here's the scripture I want you to look at. The Thessalonians became an example. Somebody shout an example. They became an example to all believers. That was in the language of the text that we read. That word example is the word Tupac. No, I'm just kidding. Just trying to wake y'all up a little bit. It's Tupas. It's Tupas. So when I see Tupas, I think Tupac, okay? Not that they had anything in common. Which means a type or a pattern. So, so, so they became a type. They became a pattern for every believer to look at. They, they became this model, this, 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 this type, this prototype of something in the earth that represented something in heaven. They, they were living out in an earthly realm something that manifested in heaven 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they were carrying the, 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 the atmosphere or the environment of heaven and releasing it into their day. Come on, talk to me up in here. God's trying to say to the church in the 21st century, especially the church in America, you cannot just keep hiding this thing that has the ability to change people's lives forever. There's got to be a witness about you that when you begin to share and to live out your faith, something dynamic begins to happen in the lives of other people. The, 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 this church at Thessalonica, they had a godly attitude. Can you imagine that on your job? Lost all my amens. They, they, they had godly actions. Their language was godly. The way they conducted themselves was godly. I mean, 
I thought about that this morning. My son-in-law, Jesse, on the front row with his head down. We know why. I thought about it. Jesse still had to come to church and give God praise, even though Alabama lost last night. I thought about it. He had to come up in here in the midst of defeat. <laughs> he had to walk up in here with, with, with like over 100-something wins. Hadn't lost a game since 2019. Walk up in here and say, he's still God. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I'm just making fun of it. But can you imagine somebody going through the worst hell of your life? the worst persecution of your life. And these people were under the threat of being killed. And they were being, they were, they were under all this threatening power, but they would still gather in the name of the Lord. And they would still throw up a praise in the midst of their defeated self. And they would just begin to declare that our God is great. Our God is powerful. There's nobody like him in all the earth. Because it carried a godly attitude, a godly action, because what you their faith was not something out there in theory land. Their faith became a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's how we live. It's how we breathe. It's how we move. It's how we act. To the point that people were leaving idols. This is the last interesting word in this particular text I'll work with you. An idol is anything, any unauthorized person, place, or thing. An idol is any unauthorized thought that you look to as a source what an idol is. It's anything or anyone other than God that can hold your confidence or your trust or your allegiance. It's what an idol is. Now, we don't worship wooden statues here in America no more, but, but we, worship, we worship all kinds of idols. There's people that I know that are believers, they worship money. They worship jobs. They worship bank accounts. They worship cars. They worship homes. There's people that worship men, women that worship men. Men that worship women. It's an idol. Anything that you put above God is an idol. Watch this. Any thought that you put above God is an idol. Any, anything that takes the place of the supreme being of God in your life is an idol. And you can tell that. You can tell because most people in this room that I know, you're going to get up in the morning. Most people, this is an agrarian society, so we start our days early around here. Most people will be at work by 7 o'clock, some by 6 o'clock, some by 5 o'clock in the morning, and they'll work all day. They'll get off at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock. It's an agrarian society. We work hard all day long, and we give it all we got for five, six seasons kicked in. Some of them are seven days a week, but then we come to church late. I'm sorry, did I just step on your toe right there? Huh? Did you pull your toe back up underneath your chair? Huh? That, your, your work has become your idol because you're going to go to work on time. You're going to stay there on time because you're going to get paid for being on time. But God is not that important to you. But I'm trying to tell you, when faith becomes a culture in your life, he becomes preeminent of your life. And you don't just give God second fiddle. You don't give him the leftovers. You give him the best of who you are. So my faith then, my faith is not a my faith is not a theory, it's not an event. My, 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 my faith is not a one-time experience. My faith is this attitude. It's something that possesses me. It's something that I live out. It's something that I carry. Because here, here's here, let me just go right here and then we're gonna give you these three amazing life-changing 
powerful points. <laughs> Since you're standing on the edge of your seats and you can't wait to hear them. Faith deals with things that are real but have not yet penetrated our five senses. Okay? Because just because you haven't seen it yet, touched it yet, heard it, smelled it, <laughs> or tasted it, sometimes we have a hard time believing it. Because faith is not about how you feel, because you can feel faithless and be full of faith. And you can be full of faith and have no faith if you go by your feelings. I think I told you last week or the week before, one of those weeks, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a caboose. Your, your feelings are like a caboose. They, they should be like a caboose on the train, not the engine that drives the train. Your, your feelings ought to be the last in line because your feelings are the most unstable part of, of your life. So, 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 so our, our, our faith, faith now is not an emotion. Faith is a spirit. Okay? It's a spirit. It's not an emotion. Emotions can change based on information you receive. Because I can say, I'm going to go ahead and shut down right now. And not, a lot of y'all will sit up straight. Because <laughs> you just got a jump start in your emotion. Like, he's going to do it. He's going to beat 12 o'clock today. <laughs> right? So, 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 so the, the content of your information will affect your feelings. Emotions are real, but they don't need to be in charge. Okay? Several years ago when um, Vanessa was in Africa at a, at a training institute there for leaders, leadership, Karen and I made several trips back and forth to see her to, to, or to take her back, whatever, whatever the time was. And a couple times while we were there, since we were there, I mean, might as well make good of it and go hunting while we're in Africa. It's like, it's like a dream. And so while we were there, we, were, we went hunting, and uh, I began to learn some things about the African impala. And um, it's an amazing species of an animal. And talking to our guide there that was just walking us through different species of the animals that they had, the African impala can jump 10 feet straight up in the air, and it can jump 30 feet straight out. It's just an amazing animal. It's just... The, what its capability and its ability is amazing. But if you were to take that same impala that can jump 10 feet high, 30 feet long, and put it in a three-foot cage, just put it in a three-foot cage, no roof on it, just a three-foot cage, it will be incarcerated for life because the impala will not jump where it can't see. Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. And if we're not careful, we may have all the potential, all the ability of an African impala. We can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet long. And sometimes, so many times in the life of every believer, we let circumstances and we let devils begin to clog our vision to the point that if we don't see it, we won't believe it. 
So we'll stay incarcerated. We'll stay locked down in our faith. It's not that you don't have the ability. It's not that you have not been born again. It's not that you don't possess the spirit of faith. But it's because you won't go what you don't see. You will stay incarcerated to a place. You will stay stuck in your movement with God. And I'm trying to tell you, when you learn to live by faith, you don't have to see the outcome. You just got to trust the source of the outcome. You just got to know at the end of the day, if God be for me, what in the world could ever be against me? And you got to be a people that understand, I don't have to see it to believe it. The fact that God has put it in his word gives enough creditation that I believe it. And many Christians are controlled by circumstances because they won't move unless they see something first. Many people won't even obey God unless they see something first. And what you have just done, you have nullified the movements of God in your life because you think you got to see it. If you see it, then it's not faith. If you, if you see the outcome, then it's not faith. I'm talking about with your natural eyes. If you see the outcome, it's not faith. God has never invited his people to arenas where the impossible can be made possible, where the outcome was predictable. Y'all not helping me up in here. And faith is the primary ingredient that we have to have in our life to experience God. Without faith, we are displeasing to God. So let me give it to you this way. The absence of faith is the absence of the manifested presence of God. You see that? Faith is acting like whatever God has said is the truth. Faith is acting like God is telling you the truth. Faith is like it is so, even though it's not so, in order that it might be so, because God said so. Amen. That's what faith is. And faith always precedes sight. Always. It will always precede sight. So here in our text, here comes the point. The disciples are in a boat caught in a storm. Jesus is walking on the water. And, 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 and they're scared. They're frantic. They're panic, panicking because the waves are coming into the boat. The wind is battering in them. And they're just like, everything's falling apart. And Peter speaks up and said, Lord, if that's you, command me to come to you. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter gets out of the boat and he begins to do the impossible. He had no validation that he could walk on water. <laughs> Other than the fact that the one who could sustain him gave him permission. So he walked in a place where nobody has ever walked before. And the thing about it was Peter initiated the movement and Jesus gave him permission. It's amazing what your faith will do and what heaven will back up. And many people want new levels. They just don't want to risk anything to get there. That's why the early church was so powerful because it was a huge risk to be a Christian. 
If your revelation doesn't move you into action, then just call it a theory. Because faith without works is dead. Are y'all still here? All right, let me give you these, 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 these fundamental steps to create a culture of faith. Are you ready? No? Okay. Okay, just making sure. Number one, you can't live by everybody else's opinions. If you're going to create a culture of faith, you can't live by everybody else's opinions. There were 11 other people in that boat, and they were all strong leaders. I bet you one of them had a thought. <laughs> I bet you one of them had an opinion. <laughs> Where do you think you're going? Who told you to get out of the boat? Are you better than us? Who do you think you are? Anytime you decide to leave the boat of mediocrity, anytime you decide to leave the boat of struggle or even comfort and familiarity, somebody going to say something. You just need to know that. This will be on the screen. Not everybody will be silent or supportive of what you're called to do. Come on, I'm talking about creating a culture of faith. And you just got to get beyond somebody else's opinions. Peter had been doing life with these guys. He had spent years with these guys. He spent a lot of time with them. And sometimes the very person that you got to be willing to step beyond is the people that matter to you the most. Y'all not saying amen, but that's a good point to say it. You're going to have to step away from Pookin Annie, Fred, whatever those names are. You're going to have to be, you're going to have to be, watch it. You've got to be willing to separate from family. Some of, the, some of the most opinionated people in your life are the people that love you the most. And I'm not saying they're doing it as a mean way of saying something to you. They're doing it because that's what they think they know best. But when you got a word from God, you can't stay in the boat of mediocrity. And you got to go where nobody has gone before. You got to step out when it don't make no sense. You got to move beyond the thoughts and the opinions because you have created a culture that's not bound by the way somebody else thinks about my life. You got to be willing to move in and watch this. And if you don't pass the family test, you won't ever do great exploits for God. Because your family, your family, it's not that they mean to do you harm or intently trying to do you harm, but they will hold you back. And because of the familiarity in your life, you will lock yourself down just to please somebody that don't have the ability to push you to the next level. Woo, preaching hard right there. David, David had to step away from the opinion of his brothers to fight Goliath. His, his elder brother, Eliab, he said, who did you leave those few sheep with? Like, it's like, like, it's like kind of like it's in a condescending way, like, like why are, what are you doing here? You just came here to look at the battle. And just write this down. This will be on the screen. Whenever someone wants to minimize your responsibility and assignment, just know that they're intimidated by your capability. <laughs> just know that they're intimidated by what's on the inside of you. They, 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 they see something in you 
that pride won't let them acknowledge. Oh, y'all not helping me right there. And, and, and you can read it in 1 Samuel 17. Eliab says that David has a wicked heart. But when you get into the book of Acts, God said, David is a man after my own heart. So who are you going to please, your family or God? David didn't come to the battle to watch it. In fact, the only real reason why David is there is to feed his brothers. He's just obeying his father. He said, take these few pieces of crackers and cheese down there to your brother and just report on how the battle's doing. Come back and tell me how's it going. David didn't come to the battle to watch it. He's there because his father sent him there to take care of his brothers. Are y'all hearing me? He's being judged and fought by the very people he's trying to feed. Sometimes the very people you're trying to help will be the very people that will bite your hand. And you just got to learn how to shake it off. <laughs> just like, come on, just again, like just shake it off. Just like shake it off. See, some of y'all can't shake it off because that, that sting, that bite hurts. Y'all think, I, that's just kitty. I'm not going to see it. You're bound. You're bound. You're bound. You're bound because you can't shake up. You can't shake off the opinions of somebody else over your life. You're bound. You're bound by it. David said, you know what? Hey, listen. Hey, Y'all can say what you want to say. You know, I, I'm only here because dad sent me. And then while he's there, Goliath makes the challenge. And then David said, well, hey, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Woo. See, it's amazing that what you do in obedience to the things of your father that God lines up your promotion without even knowing that you're about to step into a promotion. Woo. And you just have to learn, you just have to learn to get over people who misinterpret your motives. You got to get out of the boat and walk anyway. Come on, New Harvest Church has been doing this for 30 years. People have always had their opinions about New Harvest Church. You know what we did? We just kept walking. <laughs> I'm just going to get out of the boat and I'm just going to keep on walking. Okay, let me give you another one here. This will be on the screen. You'll always be misjudged and misinterpreted when you decide to move away from what everybody else is tied to. You're always going to be misjudged. Now listen, you can't turn all that into a war. Please don't get on Facebook and fight it out. You know how crazy that looks like people arguing on Facebook? Because I found this out in life. If they're not aiding me, supporting me, or standing in the gap for me, then their opinion doesn't add any value to me anyway. Hmm? If they're in your life now and they don't add anything to your life, then when they're out of your life, it's still not a loss. All right, number two, got one minute left. Number two, you have to get proper stewardship when you're dealing with the fear of isolation. For Peter to walk on the water, he had to be willing to leave the others behind. 
There's going to be seasons in your life when you're going to feel like you're all alone. You're going to feel like it's just you out there in the wind. It's just you out there in the storm. There's nobody else out there with you. And you're going to have to learn how to give stewardship of that place of isolation. The cost of not being normal is learning how to manage your seasons of isolation. When nobody is around you to support you. When nobody is around you to high five you. When nobody is around you to encourage you. You're going to have to be like David of old. You're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord, and you got to keep walking in the direction that God is calling you to walk. It don't matter if nobody gets out of the boat or not. It don't matter if I'm out here by myself or not. I'm going to follow the things of God fully. That means there are times, this will be on your screen, there are times when your calling or your purpose has to be more than your company and comfort. Push on somebody and tell them it's a faith thing. The price of your potential is your comfort. Just so that you know that we had an incredible leader, Jesus Christ, the cross was not padded. Nothing easy about the cross. So if you're always looking for comfort, come on, America. That's why we're in the battles we are now because we'll give up freedom for comfort. We'll give up liberty just to stay comfortable. All right, number three, last one. You have to overcome the fear of an inadequacy. You've got to overcome the fear of an inadequacy. Jesus said, come. Peter had to respond to a word beyond his own ability. Now, unless y'all been doing it, and I don't know, if, 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 you, if you never walked on water, it's got to be something. I don't think Peter ever walked on water. Nobody did up until that point. At least it's not reported. I tried it. I really have. Even when my girls were little, at the old house, I said, hey, y'all watch this. I'm going to walk across the pool. <laughs> I got my faith up there. Like, I can do this in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you don't know until you try, right? I had my girls as a witness, you know, or like be established for two or three witnesses. <laughs> I was going to try it. So to this day, I don't know of anybody that I know of that's walked on water. In other words, Peter didn't have the ability to walk on water. He had to fight the fear of not feeling adequate enough. To do what you're calling me to do or to giving me permission to do, it takes a supernatural work. And what God is trying to lead the church into in America is beyond your natural ability. It's beyond your IQ. It's beyond your test scores. He's trying to pull you to a place where you understand, had it not been for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I would be. I don't know what I would be doing. But God has sustained me every step of the way. And Peter had to get beyond his own lack of ability. And you know you're being stretched by faith when you surprise yourself. When you say, oh, wow, God did that through me. Amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, last scripture, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything that's coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. 
If you never get over the fear of feeling inadequate, you won't try to do anything. And you'll live your life in limitation. And you'll forfeit everything that God has for you because you're viewing it through your eyes. And you're not supposed to live by sight. You're supposed to live by faith. Just because you can't see it and just because it's never been done don't mean you can't do it. Amen. Amen. Trying to build this new building out here, ooh, you wouldn't believe the pressure of what it takes to throw up a building that's going to give glory to God and all the kickback you feel in the realm of the spirit like it'll never happen. I mean, when you really feel inadequate, like, Lord, can we really do this? I'm just saying, Lord, if you give us permission, I'm going to get out of the boat. And I'm going to walk where it don't make no sense. I mean, that'll work in your personal life. That'll work in your marriage. It'll work in how you raise your children because faith is a culture. It's a culture. It's a culture. It's a mindset of the way you think about a thing. Amen. Come on, Pastor Porter. You guys come on. We'll close right here. Do what God called you to do. Let me just encourage somebody in this room today. If God called you to start a business, then start it. If God called you to go to school and get another education, then get it. If God's calling you to a different experience, then go for it. Come on, talk to me. Apply for that job. Run for that office. Build that dream. Do what God's put in your heart to do. And don't be intimidated by the circumstances. I refuse to be normal. I refuse to be held in check by everybody else's thoughts and opinions. Amen? Amen. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. We're going to praise the Lord just for a moment. Come on, look at somebody and tell them you got to get out of the boat now. You got to get out of the boat. You got to get out of the boat. Walking is normal, but where you walk is not always normal. Walking is normal, but where you walk is not always going to be normal. And if you'll just apply these three principles of the culture of faith, I promise you, you're going to walk in places that will defy the logic of men. That's what this church is doing as a whole. You realize, I think, Pastor Corey, to, in the last two weeks at youth, we've had 18 teenagers give their life to Jesus Christ. In the last two weeks. Last two weeks, is that right? Is that accurate? In the last, they're fixing to have a baptism service uh, in, in a couple weeks or a week or so, whenever it's going to be. And, and I've heard everything about, well, you know, they did that, that youth. It's not, no, listen, teenagers are being saved. Just because it don't fit your world. Just because it don't look like the way you want it to look like. It doesn't mean that the gospel's not going forward. I mean, I mean, I mean, these are, these are, most of these are unchurched kids. Giving their life to Jesus Christ. I came in here on Friday morning for our school chapel service. 
and I'm watching a whole band of students lead other students into the presence of God with their hands lifted, musicians and singers all alike, just leading kids into the worship of God. I'm just saying, the, the gospel, it's just moving forward. I, I didn't even ask my brother Craig back there, but, but every Monday, Compassion Avenue, I don't know how many hundreds of pounds of food we give out in a week's time. I mean, things that are happening around the clock here. There's six days a week. There's ministry going on this campus just around the clock. I can't imagine what is going around in your world. That's just here. But our faith is being made known everywhere. Woo. See, Jesus will give you permission to get out of the boat, but he's not going to move your legs. You're going to have to step out. You're going to have to step out when you're fear, fearful. You're going to have to step out when you're tired. When you're, going to have, you're going to have to step out when it don't make no sense. You're going to have to go beyond the reasoning, uh, reasoning of logic. And you're just going to say, you know what, I'm going to believe God right here. You know what, and here's the thing. Everybody preaches on how Peter sunk, how he, how he missed it and how he failed. But you know what, the first person that touched him when he failed was Jesus. If I fail, I'll let it be Jesus. Let him be the first one to pick me up. That's why I'm not going to be intimidated to try anything he gives me permission to do. Because if I fall face first, he's going to be right there to pick me back right. up. Hallelujah. Come on, we need some faith walkers. We need some people who are ready to get out of the boat. Come on, push on some, somebody and tell them you got to get out of the boat now. Come on, tell them you got to get out of the boat. You got to get out of your boat of mediocrity. You got to get out of the boat of your shallowness. You have to get out of the boat of somebody else's thoughts and opinions. You got to quit feeling inferior and inadequate and take a step of faith. Because he's calling us to a greater place. He's calling us to a better place. Come on, if you believe that, throw your hands up and just begin to magnify him. Come on, let's worship the Lord for your glory. Your name, your name is wonderful. And I will stand, and I will stand in awe of you forever, forever. Sing, Father. Yes, we are. Your name is wonderful. I will stand, I will stand in all of you forever. Forever you are You 
good for a season, but it couldn't carry him into the next season. That's right. It was good for, it got him to where he needed to be to launch his next season. The boat that we've been in has been good for a season, but God's taking it up another notch. Right. Because I'm right. going to take you places that a boat won't even, you won't even Hallelujah. need a boat. I'm going to move you into places that it's not even going to make no kind of sense if you try to put it on paper. The boat, the boat wasn't bad. It's just another, it's just, it's just a past season. And God is moving some of us into a different season. Come on, how many are ready to move into a different season in your life? I mean, really, how many are ready to really, I mean, I mean, just really, I mean, just, I'm like, I am ready to get out of this boat of compromise and comfortability and all that. Come on, if you're ready to do that on the count of three, I just want you to take a step somewhere. One, two, three. Come on, we're just going to step. There we are. Come on. Just say, I'm in it now. I'm in it. I'm in it now. I'm in it. I'm in it now. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm in what don't make no sense. I'm surrounded what make what don't make no sense at all. But I'm moving towards Jesus. I'm moving toward a promise. I'm moving towards something better, something greater. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, just worship him while you're stepping. Worship him while you're moving. Worship him. Father, this morning we thank you that we're moving 
out of the places of limitations of our own life. And we're building around us a culture of faith. Lord, so that we can move and respond to the word of God and do those things that are seemingly impossible to the natural world. So, Father, today we take our step. We take our step into something that is even unstable. We step out of the boat and we step into the instability of the world around us. And we believe your word to sustain us, carry us through to a different dimension, align us with your word today. Hallelujah. Let us do the unthinkable. Let us do the impossible. And we give you all the praise for that today. And we give you all the glory for that this morning. And we thank you in advance for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, if everybody just agrees and believes that, let's just put our hands together. And let's just thank the Lord for it. Come on, let's just thank him. Come on, tell somebody next to you, we're not in the boat no more. We're not in the boat. We're not in it. We're walking. We're walking. We're moving. 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 Amen. 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 We're going to close out this way. I just, out of time, I don't want to just run it off, but our prayer teams will be here this morning. Our ministry team, staff, and all, everybody will be here. If you need prayer, I want somebody to agree with you. We're here today. I don't want to just push that out like it don't mean anything because it does. Something about the agreement of faith and the contact of faith helps people release things. It's good to see Carolyn Johnson in church this morning. Yeah. God bless you, Carolyn. Hallelujah. Boy, she's been in the battle. But look what the Lord has done. Amen. Carolyn, we bless you today. It's good to see you this morning. We've been praying for you. The sign-up sheet is in the back for all church crew, cleaning crew, right? Is that what it is? Praise the Lord. I'm doing all the sweeping. Y'all figure out what y'all going to do around me. Now, if you can sign up in the back, see Vanessa back there. It's, a, it's only a half a day from 7.30 to 12. We're going to clean this thing up. We're going to do some outside work. We're just putting all those plans together. If you can help us, that would be great. Just help us maintain the temple, keep care of it, be a good steward over it. Amen. It's good to see Melissa in church today. She's been battling too. It's good to see you here today. God bless you. Amen. And there might be some others that's been sick, and I just don't see you, recognize you right here, right now. But if you're in here for the first time or a long time, it's good to see you. This is a place of healing. Amen. It's a place of wholeness. Hallelujah. So, Father, bless your people today. Keep guard over them. Watch over them. Lord, I thank you for a covenant group of people that are tied to your word, that's tied to your promises. And, Lord, together we're going to make a difference in our region, in our city, in our territory. Together we're going to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. So, Father, I bless your people today. Bless their day, bless their afternoon, bless their week. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you need prayer, just come on up here. Let us pray for you. We want to be able to take some time and do that. God bless you.
If not, you can visit in the back. Have an, have an amazing day. God bless you this morning.